First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of First Class Fatherhood, a family-made media podcast. I am going to hit you guys with another best of 2022. Today, I will rebroadcast my interview with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Governor DeSantis joined me on First Class Fatherhood back on episode 604, which was May 27th of 2022. It was such an honor to have Governor DeSantis on the podcast. Number one, he does not give many interviews. It was definitely a difficult interview to get. I stayed on it very, very persistently. Ever since Governor Ron DeSantis passed his fatherhood initiative bill that he signed uh, earlier this year, offering resources to organizations that are dedicated to improving relationships between fathers and their children, I really praised him for it. I was on Newsmax. I did a segment on Newsmax talking about the bill. So I worked really hard to get this one done. And I know right now uh, he's all over the news because he is calling for an investigation into Dr. Fauci, uh, investigating all these cardiac-related deaths uh, that are related to the mRNA shots, which I know is a touchy subject. I just recently had my video with Dr. Robert Malone removed uh, from YouTube, which was coincidental. It was the, the same day that Elon Musk restored Dr. Robert Malone's account to Twitter. About an hour later, I got an email from YouTube telling me they removed the video. They suspended my account. I wasn't able to upload my Dr. Drew video from the other day, so I had to go back to Rumble. So if you are looking for that Dr. Drew interview that I did on Wednesday, that video is up there on Rumble. But Governor Ron DeSantis is not going to let this go. He's pressing very hard. Something was very, very wrong with the way, number one, that this entire pandemic was handled. And obviously, there's something up with these shots. We know about that. And I know timing is everything. And unfortunately, right after I recorded this interview with Ron DeSantis, I believe it was the following day, uh, there was the unfortunate, tragic shooting that took place in Uvalde, where all those kids were just mowed down in that school uh, it was a horrific event, so I postponed posting this interview. Obviously, I didn't get a comment from Ron DeSantis about the incident because it happened right after I did the interview with him. Almost sort of like the Steve uh, Harvey interview, which was my number one interview. You guys heard it. I replayed it, the best of 2022, Steve Harvey. Uh, the, the day I was going to publish that interview was the day that Ukraine was invaded by Russia. Uh, so I had a delay uh, putting that video up as well. Nevertheless, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis' interview here, uh, very close to being my most downloaded interview of the year, just behind Steve Harvey. And also, it's very possible that I may have interviewed a president of the United States here. We know we're talking about a possible run that Governor DeSantis may make in 2024. We'll see. I don't ask him in this interview if he's going to run. I kind of figured he gets that all the time. So I asked him, I rephrased it a different way, saying, if you were the president right now for one day, what would be your number one thing that you would do or you would change right now? So that was an interesting part of the interview. I hope you'll enjoy this rebroadcast of my interview with Governor Ron DeSantis. I got a fresh episode coming to hit you guys with next week. Media sensation Dave Rubin will be joining me here. Dave Rubin is a gay dad that went through the surrogacy process, uh, received some criticism, or so they said. He received a lot of criticism for what he was doing from his own supporters, his own fans. We're going to talk about that and so much more. So don't miss out on that episode. 
And if you're still looking for a Christmas gift, if you have a dad on your list, don't forget to get over to Amazon and order a copy of First Class Fatherhood Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads. There's time for you to order the book, get it in time for Christmas. Any dad on your Christmas list, grab them a copy of First Class Fatherhood Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. So here we go. Let's rebroadcast. Let's do this thing. Here is my interview with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis from May 27th, 2022 on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. This is an honor for me. Let's start like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they? So we've got three, a five-year-old daughter, four-year-old son, and a two-year-old daughter. And we have our hands full. (laughs) Yeah, I got four myself, so I know a little bit about it. Take me back then five years, Governor. Uh, How did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Well, I think if, I mean, I think back, I think meeting my wife really changed my life based on where I, where I was going. And that was uh, a much different trajectory and for the better. And then having the first child, I would say, is another one of those really life altering experiences. And my wife and I had fun when we were empty nesters and we'd do whatever we wanted almost like you could just go. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have this great responsibility and it's something that we, quite frankly, were really uh, fortunate to be able to have, uh, you know, to have a, a healthy baby girl and then to have our other two. So, but it changes your perspective on life. Uh, you're living now to be able to uh, raise these kids right. But then also just what I'm doing is trying to make sure that, that we leave them a better world, um, a better state, a better country. I was in Congress when our daughter was born. And, and you know, now I'm governor. And so you see these things through the eyes of a parent. And I'd like to think prior to us having kids, I was sensitive to the value of education, the value of parenting, all that for sure. But until you were in those shoes, you know, you can never really fully appreciate the responsibility. Yeah, very well said, Governor. And obviously uh, a very emotional year for you uh, with your wife, Casey, being diagnosed with undergoing treatment and then ultimately becoming cancer free. Walk me through some of that stuff. What were some of the challenges for you as governor while all that was going on with your personal life? And how did you kind of talk to your kids and get them through that entire process? Well, I think part of it is just when you have breast cancer, it obviously affects more women than we would uh, ever like to have that that effect. Uh, But I do think there's a particular uh, resonance when uh, a mother of young kids has breast cancer. It's just, you know, the, the doctors that we dealt with, the nurse are like, you know what, we are not going to allow a, a young mother to not get through this just because that's so important. And so uh, it was uh, it was an earth shattering thing for, for kind of the family, but I really had confidence that she was going to get through it based on just the data and the science. And they've done very well with it. I would tell her that now until she finally, the doctor looked in her eyes many months later and said that they can no longer detect any cancer. She wasn't a hundred percent on board with my analysis, but you know, it's just what it is. It's tough. So our kids were young enough that we didn't really even talk to them about it. Um, So they would know Sometimes mommy had to go to work, we say. Sometimes she would be tired at home. And then I would kind of uh, uh, be there in the mornings or, or wherever uh, I needed to to be able to, to pinch hit for areas where she would normally be doing stuff. 
and and they got through it and i think the kids are fine so at some point we'll we'll let them know and kind of explain to them you know i thought back when i was in elementary school you know my mother had breast cancer and i think i was in third grade I did not really understand what was going on. I just knew that she was sick and had some, you know, our kids are even younger than that. So we just basically kind of kept going on. Uh, we did the best we could. It was not necessarily something uh, that was easy to do when you're juggling uh, family, young kids, and then having to go through. And the treatment for, for, for cancer is just, you know, it's not, it's not uh, an enjoyable experience. I mean, they're pumping stuff into you and it just really wears you down. And so there would be times when she uh, was um, was really tired and uh, just did not have the bandwidth to be chasing around three kids around the house. Well, God bless you for how it turned out and continued prayers for you guys as you continue to move forward here. But right now, I got to turn it into this. Something that's very passionate with me, Governor, I talk about it on almost every episode, is the fatherless crisis that we have going on in our country. In my opinion, it's the number one social issue we have uh, we're trying to solve all these other issues, but if we don't strengthen our nuclear family units, bring the father back into the home and maybe our heavenly father back into society, I think we're running around in circles here. Obviously, I, I praise you for this legislation. You have this addressing the fatherhood issue. I've talked about it on Fox and Friends, Newsmax, as I'm promoting my new book here. I pray to God more states will follow suit. What's your take on this fatherless crisis and how does this bill, what is it going to address to solve the problem? Well, I think a lot of the problems that we see in society are outgrowths of the fatherlessness crisis. And if you had every kid in America had a loving father in the home, uh, we would have far, far fewer problems that we would have to deal with as a society. One of the things that the bill we, we did will do is it will be able to provide grants to nonprofit organizations uh, to be able to do their missions that are geared towards fatherlessness. So, for example, we have a group in Florida called All Pro Dads that was founded by Tony Dungy, uh, who was the former coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Indianapolis Coats. And, and, and Coach Dungy spoke at our bill signing for, for the Fatherless Initiative. And he said that when he became coach at Tampa, he went to uh, visit prisoners in jail uh, with one of the local pastors. And what he noticed was, you know, you can always point to poverty, race, whatever you want as to why someone ends up in jail. He said that wasn't the reason. He said the reason was these were people that did not have a father in the home. And so, you know, it's been his mission through his group to do that. So we want to lift up those groups who are really getting in communities and doing well. Then we also want our state agencies like the Department of Juvenile Justice, Department of Children and Families uh, to have more resources and to have uh, father, uh, getting fathers back into the home as one of their primary missions. And I, I do think if there's, there's, there's a lot of problems, but if you could just snap your finger and do one thing and you did this where the fathers were in the home, uh, you would not even need to worry about a lot of these other problems. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I love what you're doing. And I, like I said, I pray more states will follow suit. Now, uh, unfortunately, we don't have a governor like you where I am. I'm in uh, New Jersey here. We got a real stiff in there. And they slipped in one thing last, 20, in 2020 while everyone had six face coverings on. Now in the fall here, they're going to be teaching sexual orientation to second graders here in the Garden State. Uh, now, obviously, you talked about even your mom having breast cancer, not knowing what's going around, uh, going on. I can't imagine grown adults sitting down with seven year old children, talking to them about sexual orientation and all this kind of garbage. 
What kind of advice do you have for parents out there that don't have a governor like you that's fighting for our children, uh, that's trying to keep this craziness and this chaos away from them? What do you say to these parents who are being called domestic terrorists when they, they voice a problem and a concern about it? Or how, what are they supposed to do, Governor? Well, I think you got to keep fighting. I mean, I think what the, you know, kind of these radical elements in society count on is people, parents being afraid to actually speak out. Because at the end of the day, the parents overwhelmingly um, are on the side of what states like Florida are doing. Uh, at the end of the day, we need to teach these young kids the basics, get them to learn to read and write and add and subtract. Going into these other issues of sexuality, and they have things like gender ideology, where they're telling kids that they may have been born a boy, but they may not be that, is totally inappropriate. And if a parent on an individual basis believes that that's something that they want to teach their kids, although I would disagree with that, you know what, it's a free country. But to inject that into elementary school and basically cram that down these kids' throats um, is, is completely wrong. And so Florida, we did something about it. Uh, we provided protections for parents so that they wouldn't have to worry about sending their kids to kindergarten and having woke gender ideology injected into the curriculum. Parents appreciate that and they understand that, that these young kids, they're just too young to have any of these concepts discussed. But I also think just having gone through this in Florida and having the media and even Disney and all this other stuff uh, demagogue the bill that we did, there is an effort to target these younger grades. And if you and I were talking two years ago, I would not have said that, uh, but I've seen the curriculum. I mean, I've seen things like the gender bread man and the gender unicorn and these things where they're doing this, designing it to get it to these younger audiences. And of course, those Disney executives on that, those Zoom videos where they were admitting that their goal with the programming for the young kids is to inject sexuality. And so uh, this is just wrong. I think the vast majority of parents uh, believe that it's wrong. And you know what? Uh, when parents band together and they make their voice heard, you know, these corrupt school board, a corrupt state bureaucracy, they really are no match for you. It sometimes seems like you're alone because you have a lot of people in positions of a power who kind of constantly are injecting this stuff, but there's absolutely strength in numbers uh, and you just can't lay down at this point. I mean, our kids' future is just too important. So step up, get into the fight. It's not going to be easy. The media is not going to support you. Uh, you're going to face, uh, face some blowback. But I think it's worth standing up and taking the fire if it means protecting our kids. Yeah, if, if we're not going to be protecting our kids, what is the point, uh, Governor? What is the point of any of the rest of it? I really don't get it. So, uh, like I said, another thing that I love that you're doing down here in Florida, fighting for our kids' safety. And, you know, I got to ask you, I got you here. I'm not going to ask you about 2024. I know everybody wants to know about that. I know the answer you would give me on that. But if I could, we parents are facing all this stuff, the baby food shortage right now, inflation true to ceiling, gas prices, border, it goes on and on what's going on. If I could anoint you, President, for just today, what issue are you attacking first? What's your go-to thing to take care of? Oh, man. I mean, you know, the problem, I think the biggest issue facing the, the country in terms of economically is the inflation. The problem is that this is baked in the cake with what Biden's done by printing trillions and trillions of dollars. So there's not an easy solution and just snap your fingers. So what I would say is give me a time machine. Let me go back to January 20th, 2021 
and not open the border, not print trillions of dollars. I mean, if you were do all of that, I'll tell you this, I am going to uh, be doing, doing a bill signing very soon on the fentanyl epidemic. And this is flowing from the bad border policies. But fentanyl overdose is now the number one cause of death for people 18 to 45. And so we're talking about family and fatherhood and these young kids, very important. We have families, we have parents who've done a really good job raising their kids. They get into college or even young adulthood, and then they end up overdosing on fentanyl because this stuff is lethal. Um, this is a huge crisis in our country. Um, and unfortunately, it's been facilitated by a lot of reckless policies. And so there's an awful lot to do. What I like to say in Florida is, you know, we're kind of the antidote to what's going on in Washington. Uh, you know, we have a pro-family policies, big on education, strong economy, record budget surplus, no state income tax, uh, law and order state that, that supports law enforcement and puts criminals behind bars. So this is just a different approach. And you know what? People are flooding to my state uh, because they understand that it's a good place to live. And I think that um, if Washington took, instead of Biden always attacking Florida, if Washington actually learned some things from what we were doing, uh, the country would be much better off. I pray to God they do, Governor. I'd love to hear that. And, and I would like to ask you, too, obviously, uh, your legacy is still being written as far as your political career will be for some time to come. But more important than that, what do you hope your legacy is going to be as a father? Well, what I just try to do is just be somebody that, that my kids can look up to. I try to set a good example for them. Part of the things that uh, the challenge I think that we've had as, as parents is just uh, my kids are growing up in an environment much different than how I grew up, uh, blue collar kid, or really 99.9% .9 of kids. My daughter was two years old when we moved into the governor's mansion. My son was nine months, and my third hadn't even been born yet. She was born after we were in Tallahassee. And so that is just a different type of, of upbringing. And so it's something that my wife and I are sensitive to. You know, if we go to like the state fair, we have a big entourage that's there, security and all this other stuff. And that's not normal. And so we really want to instill in our kids uh, a sense of being grounded, a sense of understanding that you're going to have to work hard to succeed in life. We're not going to just hand you anything. Uh, you're going to have to go out there and earn it. And you're no better than anybody else just because you happen to be in this certain certain circumstances right now. Um, but I, I do think that that's something that you know. I think we're going to. I think we're handling it right. And as they get older, it'll be even more important. But it's absolutely something that that we think a lot about. Yeah, great stuff. And the last thing I want to hit you with here, Governor, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? I would just say uh, be present, uh, spend as much time as possible. When my daughter was born, I was a member of Congress at the time up in Washington. And so I'm looking at myself, I'm like sitting in my office in DC wondering, why the hell am I up here? I really want to be back down. And, you know, governor, I do a lot more than a typical member of Congress, but it's more family friendly because I can go out and do stuff all day and be home for dinner. Or even if I get home late, I see him in the morning. And so part of the reason why I ended up running for governor was because I had two young kids at home and I didn't and I didn't want to, if I'm going to do public service, I wanted to make sure it could do it in a way that was more family friendly. But I think the making that effort to be there and that's what we try to do. I try to get back um, for dinner or I try to get back, put him to bed or to get him up in the morning. 
and then of course doing as many uh, activities with them as possible. We're able to involve them in some of the stuff I'm doing as governor. I will bring my oldest to press conferences. So she's there uh, and I'll take her to get ice cream or something after. I brought my son uh, to a multi-city sto- uh, stop one day. We did a bunch of press conferences. The last press conference, he fell asleep on the floor <laughs> during the press conference. And so I had to grab him and kind of take him out. Uh, but we do make an effort you know, to involve them and let them be able to see uh, what is really a, a great state to live in. And so I would just say, you, you have such a great opportunity uh, to, to make a meaningful difference in your kids' lives just by being interested and just by being present and just by setting a good example. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Governor DeSantis, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. All right. God bless. Thank you. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. First Class Fatherhood is a family-made media podcast. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com or www.familymade.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.